Chapters three and four of the clock struck one by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three To Every Man His Own Fear. After a pause of astonishment at the inexplicable flight of her lover, Dora ran upstairs to the room of Mr. Edermont. It was imperative that she should learn the truth of this disturbance, and in the absence of Dr. Scott, her guardian was the proper person to explain the matter had dora glanced back at joad who followed closely she might have gathered from his malignant expression that he was likely also to afford an explanation but in her anxiety she went directly to the door of mr edermont's bedroom it was wide open and the occupier was still sobbing by the open window what is the matter cried dora hurrying forward why has allan edermont lifted up a white face wet with tears and flung out two thin hands with a low cry of terror then with a sudden anxiety in his eyes he staggered rather than walked across the room and closed the door sharply joad had already entered and still hugging a book stood looking grimly at the swaying figure of his patron with his back to the door edermont interrogated his ward and his friend has he gone is the gate closed is it locked and barred he has gone and the gate is safe said joad for dora was too astonished by the oddity of these questions to reply Edermont wiped the sweat from his forehead, nodded weakly, and finally subsided into an armchair. Here he bowed his face in his hands, and Dora caught the drift of the words which he muttered in a low voice. They were those of his favorite prayer from the litany. "'From battle and murder, and from sudden death, good Lord, deliver us!' moaned the man, and then in some measure he recovered his serenity." seized with a sudden anger at the abject terror he had displayed and the shameful accusation he had levelled against her lover dora stepped forward and faced mr edermont with an indignant look now that you feel better she said coldly perhaps you will afford me an explanation edermont looked at her in a dazed manner he was a little man scarcely five feet in height and had a noble head which seemed out of place on so insignificant a body with his long white locks and streaming beard he was quite an imposing figure when seated but when standing the smallness of his body of his hands and feet detracted from the majesty of his patriarchal looks also his eyes were timid and restless the silvery beard which swept his breast hid a weak mouth and stripped of his venerable disguise mr edermont would no doubt have looked what he was a puny irresolute and insignificant animal as it was he imposed on every one until they knew him better dora had long since fathomed the narrow selfishness of his nature and she saw him for what he was not as he appeared to the outside world it is but fair to add that she always treated him with deference in public at the present moment there was no need to keep up appearances and dora spoke brusquely to the little man in her heart she had as great a contempt for him as she had a disgust for joad they were both objectionable she considered and each had but one redeeming point the noble head of edermont the noble voice of his friend beyond these the first was more of a rabbit than a man the second rather a satyr than a human being never had dora detested the pair more than she did at the present moment i am waiting for your explanation mr edermont she said again as he did not reply i have no explanation for you retorted her guardian wearily go away dora and leave me in peace the girl took a seat and folded her arms i don't leave this room until i know why allan left the house she said firmly what has that to do with you cried edermont in shrill anger 
our conversation was about private matters it was about lady burville what do you know of that woman he demanded shrinking back i know that the mere sight of her caused you to faint said dora slowly and i know also that she was acquainted with allan's father lambert you have betrayed me said edermont in a tone of terror you have betrayed yourself julian was joad's reply i can guess why allan scott left the house i i could not help myself i was oh i was afraid muttered edermont passing his hand over his eyes you have cause to be afraid now retorted joad and with a look of contempt at the shrinking figure of his friend he turned and left the room dora waited until his heavy footsteps died away then she turned again to edermont why did allan leave the house she asked with obstinate insistence that is my business and mine also i have a right to know why you have driven away the man whom i am about to marry edermont burst into unpleasant mirth that's all over and done with my dear he said staring at her allan scott will never marry you now what have you told him she gasped turning pale i have told him something which will keep him away from this house something which will prevent him from ever seeing you again what do you mean mr edermont she had risen to her feet and was standing over him with flushed face and indignant eyes to force his speech she gripped the shoulder of the man until he winced with pain you have said something against me she continued giving him a slight shake i have been saying nothing against you i am truly sorry for you dora sorry for me mr edermont why because of your parents said her guardian slowly dora stepped back since she had been brought by edermont to the red house a year-old babe he had never mentioned the name of her parents all questions she had put to him had been put aside that her father and mother were dead that she inherited five hundred a year and that mr edermont was her guardian until she reached the age of twenty-one these facts were known to her beyond them nothing now it would seem that some mystery was connected with the dead and that mr edermont was about to divulge it what did my parents do that you should be sorry for me she asked pointedly i shall never tell you what they did dora i have hinted too much already it is sufficient for you to know that they sinned and that their sin will be visited on you how dare you speak to me like this cried dora clenching her hands what right have you to terrify me with vague hints i demand an explanation you will never obtain one from me said edermont in a quavering voice and if you are wise you will seek one nowhere else i shall ask allan he is bound by a promise to me not to tell you then i shall question lady burville edermont rose with a bound and gripped her arm with a strength of which she had not thought him capable girl he cried earnestly do not go near that woman she is an evil woman one who has brought harm in the past and will bring harm in the future when i saw her in church it was no wonder that i turned faint she has hunted me down and she brings trouble in her train leave me to fight my own battles dora and come not into the fray if you cross her path she will show you such mercy as she has shown me i implore you to say nothing to think nothing if you disobey me i cannot save you you must be your own salvation 
throughout this strange speech he kept his eyes fixed upon her face when it was ended he dropped her arm and turned away leave me now he said faintly i-i am not myself the poor creature seemed so exhausted that it would have been absolute cruelty to have questioned him further and anxious as dora was to do so she was moved from sheer pity to spare him without a word she left the room closing the door after her and went slowly downstairs to the hall here she paused and considered i knew that some evil was coming she thought with a chill of fear and my premonition has come to pass according to that coward upstairs there is danger and evil on all sides he has separated me from allen he warns me against lady burville yet he refuses to enlighten my ignorance and warns me against going to others but i must know i must learn what it is that threatens the future happiness of allen and myself i can't sit down with folded arms and await the bolt from the blue i must know i must consider i must act against two people edermont had warned her but he had omitted to specify a third out on the lawn under the cedars dora saw the black figure of joad it would appear from his parting words to his patron that he knew what had been told to allen dora was on the point of crossing to him and wringing if possible the truth from his reluctant lips but her instinctive repulsion to the man prevented her from taking him into her confidence if she wanted help she must rely on herself or upon allen he was her affianced lover and she felt that she could trust him but if his lips were sealed by the promise given to edermont why but he will tell me he must tell me she said with an angry stamp i shall go into canterbury at once she glanced at the old clock in the hall which chimed half-past two i shall go at once repeated dora and went for her bicycle at the gate she found joad with the key in his hand he cast a sidelong look at her bicycle and explained his presence on the spot i quite forgot to lock the gate miss dora he said in his deep tones it was fortunate for dr scott that i did not and unfortunate for you why is it unfortunate for me mr joad she asked coldly because if dr scott had not been able to get out he would have been forced to remain and if he had remained said joad with another glance at the machine he might have saved you a journey to canterbury how do you know that i am going to canterbury i guessed it you wish to obtain from scott the explanation which julian refuses as i said it was unlucky scott found this gate unlocked else he might have made his explanation here you are a shrewd observer mr joad was dora's reply and i admit that you are right i am going to see dr scott as you say it is a hot day and a long journey you will experience discomfort probably i shall said dora with a significant look suppose you save me the journey mr joad and explain this mystery yourself to what mystery are you alluding young lady asked joad with childlike blandness to the mystery of allan's sudden departure you know the reason for it i heard you say so myself to edermont mr edermont's secrets are not my secrets and i do not betray my friends you are wonderfully scrupulous said miss carew scornfully well i won't ask you to play the part of a traitor allan will tell me what i want to know i am afraid allan will do no such thing miss dora i have a right to know what bar there is to my marriage i agree with you there replied joad putting the key in the lock of the gate 
all the same dr scott will keep his own counsel but i'll tell you one thing miss dora julian is right you will never marry allan scott who will stop the marriage asked dora indignantly scott himself he will ask you to break the engagement dora looked at joad with ineffable contempt and wheeled the bicycle out on the dusty road i will never believe that until i hear it from his own lips she said and the next moment she was spinning at full speed towards canterbury joad looked after her with a grim smile and locked the gates with the greatest deliberation then he went up to the house swinging the key on his finger and talking aloud this said joad chuckling is the beginning of the end chapter four more mysteries if dora was disappointed at failing to obtain explanations at chillum she was still more so at canterbury she ran the five miles under thirty minutes and made sure she would be able to overtake allan before he could escape her there was a vague idea in her mind that owing to what had been told him by edermont whatever it might be he did not wish to submit himself to her questioning this idea was confirmed by the discovery she made on reaching the tidy green-doored house near the cathedral dr scott was not at home and to tell the truth miss said mrs tice a large ample motherly person who had been allan's nurse and was now his housekeeper the doctor has gone to london to london gasped dora blankly and without letting me know dear dear did he say nothing miss well to be sure and mr allen so considerate you'll pardon me miss but i have been with him since he was a baby and i should be sorry to think he had quarrelled with you it's few as loves as mr allen does there is no quarrel said miss carew a trifle stiffly dr scott saw my guardian and then left the house without speaking to me i have called to ask for an explanation well miss i'll but dear dear here i am keeping you out on the doorstep a fine rage mr allen would be in if he knew that miss come in and rest my dear lady and i'll make you a cup of tea dora accepted this hospitable offer with alacrity not that she was anxious for rest or tea but because it occurred to her that mrs tice might throw some light on the darksome mysteries which were perplexing her brain the old woman as she had stated had taken charge of allen since he was a baby so she if any one would know about this lady burville who had been acquainted with scott senior but before dora asked any questions concerning this remote past she wanted first to learn the circumstances of allen's hasty departure for london when seated in mrs tice's comfortable room she spoke directly on the subject had dr scott decided to go up to town this morning why no miss replied the housekeeper poising a spoon over the caddy and that is just what puzzles me mr allen is not a young gentleman to make up his mind in a hurry like but he came home about half an hour ago quite wild in his looks and would not say what ailed him before i could turn round he had put a few things into a black bag and went off on his bicycle to the station no miss to selling he said he had a patient to see there and would catch the four twenty six train from that place dora glanced at her watch it was now three o'clock and if she chose she could ride the nine miles to selling before the up train left that station but this she determined not to do if allen insisted upon behaving so badly she would do nothing to force him into an explanation sooner or later he would tell her his reasons for this strange conduct 
but there was no doubt in her mind that his sudden departure was the result of his mysterious conversation with mr edermont when did mr scott say he would return mrs tice to-morrow miss and then i have no doubt he will explain why he went off in such a hurry he did not tell you i suppose not a word miss replied the housekeeper pouring out the tea he'll be in a rare way when he finds out you have been here and he not home to make things pleasant for you your tea miss you will make them pleasant enough mrs tice what delicious tea and bread and butter i feel quite hungry after my ride by the way continued dora artfully preparing to take the housekeeper by surprise allan told me that he had a new patient lady burville contrary to her expectation mrs tice did not appear to be astonished from the composed expression of her face from the friendly nod with which she received the news dora was convinced that she was absolutely unacquainted with the name failing in this attack dora attempted to gain the information she wanted if it were to be gained by approaching the subject from another quarter i am so glad that the doctor is to prescribe for lady burville she said softly she will be able to do allan so much good in his profession he only needs the chance and with his talents he is sure to be successful mr allan is very clever indeed said delighted mrs tice who could never hear her nursling praised sufficiently and his father was clever also i believe said dora unmasking her batteries this time mrs tice changed colour and placed the cup she was holding carefully on the tray dora noticed that her hand trembled the late dr scott was eminent in his profession she said in a low voice what a pity he did not live to help allan on pursued dora still observant how long ago is it since he died mrs tice some twenty years miss really when allan was five years old and you have had charge of him ever since mrs tice recovered a little of her self-control i had charge of him before that miss she said genially his poor mother died when he was born so i have had him in my care since he was in his cradle and please god i'll stay with him until i die that is miss if you do not object to my continuing housekeeper after your marriage to my dear mr allen you shall stay and look after us both declared dora impetuously we could not do without you your guardian mr edermont will miss you when you marry my dear lady dora's lip curled i do not think so she said quietly mr edermont is too much wrapped up in himself to trouble about me you have never seen him have you and on receiving a shake of the head dora continued he is a little womanish man with a fine head of silvery hair ah said mrs tice a startled expression coming into her eyes i think he has quarrelled with allan pursued dora not noticing the change in the other's manner for he told him something which may prevent our marriage what was it my dear asked mrs tice in some perturbation i don't know mr edermont won't tell me and i asked you about this lady burville because i feel sure she has something to do with it but miss carew i do not understand well mrs tice cried dora quickly mr joad said lady burville knew my guardian and allan's father and i'm sure i can't tell how but it has something to do with our marriage being stopped and allan's going to london by this time mrs tice was perfectly livid and trembling like a leaf out of the incoherencies of dora's story she had picked an idea and it was this which moved her so deeply 
Dora looked at her in astonishment. "'What is the matter, Mrs. Tice? Are you ill?' The housekeeper shook her head. Then, rising with some difficulty, she went to a cupboard and produced therefrom a book of portraits. Turning over the pages of this, she pointed out one to Dora. "'A little man with silvery hair,' she said slowly. "'Is that your guardian, Miss Carew?' Dora looked and saw the face, clean-shaven, of a young man. Notwithstanding the absence of beard, she recognized it at once. It was Julian Edermont with some twenty years off his life. "'Yes, that is Mr. Edermont,' she said, astonished at the discovery. "'And you are his—his daughter?' questioned the housekeeper. "'No, I am his ward. Mr. Edermont has never been married.' Mrs. Tice looked thoroughly frightened. "'You say Mr. Edermont had a conversation with Mr. Allen?' "'Yes, a conversation and a quarrel.' "'Oh, great heavens! If he should have learnt the truth!' muttered the old lady. "'If who should have learnt the truth?' demanded Dora. Mrs. Tice closed the book with a snap and put it in the cupboard, shaking her head ominously. She kept her eyes turned away persistently from the face of the young girl. Whatever discovery she had made from displaying the photograph, it was evident that she did not intend to communicate it to her companion. "'How did you come possessed of Mr. Edermont's photograph when you said you did not know him?' asked Dora suddenly. "'I did not know him until five minutes ago. You had better ask me no more questions, Miss Carew. But can you not tell me, from your knowledge of Allen's parents, why Mr. Edermont has quarrelled with him?' "'If Mr. Edermont is the man I take him to be, I can.' "'But I shall not tell you, Miss Dora.' "'Why not?' The housekeeper shuddered. "'I dare not,' she said in a trembling tone. "'Oh, my dear, why did you come to-day? "'I know much, but I dare not speak. "'Is your knowledge so very terrible?' "'It is more terrible than you can guess. "'Does Mr. Edermont know as much as you do?' "'Mr. Edermont,' said the housekeeper, with a pause before the name, "'knows more than I do.' "'I do not see why I should be kept in the dark,' said Dora petulantly. "'All that concerns Allen concerns me.' "'In that case,' observed Mrs. Tice calmly, "'I can only recommend you to wait until Mr. Allen returns. "'If he chooses to tell you, well and good. "'But for my part I prefer to keep silent about the past. "'But is that fair to me, Mrs. Tice? "'Silence is more than fair to you in this case.' said the old dame looking steadily at the eager face of the young girl it is merciful merciful that is a strange word to use it is the only word that can be used replied mrs tice emphatically no do not ask me any more my dear young lady the secret i hold is not my own to tell should mr allen give me permission to reveal it i shall do so otherwise i prefer to be silent one would have thought that this speech was final, but Dora was too bent upon learning the truth of Allen's strange behavior to be satisfied. She urged, she cajoled, she threatened, she implored, but all to no purpose. Whatever it was that Mrs. Tice knew detrimental to the past of Mr. Edermont, she was determined to keep it to herself. Evidently there was nothing left but to wait until Allen returned. From experience Dora knew that she could wheedle anything out of her easy-going lover, "'Do you know anything about Lady Burville?' asked Dora, finding she could not persuade Mrs. Tice into confessing what she knew. 
i know nothing not even the name said the housekeeper why do you ask because lady burville has something to do with the quarrel between mr edermont and allen i can safely say that i know nothing on that point miss carew lady burville is a complete stranger to me and i should say to mr allen i have never heard him speak of her but mr edermont knows her very probably mr edermont knows many people i am unacquainted with you must remember miss carew that there is a vast difference between the position of a gentleman and that of a housekeeper then lady burville has nothing to do with mr edermont's past so far as i know she has not replied mrs tice promptly i don't know everything my dear young lady can you guess the cause of this quarrel yes i told you so before but i cannot speak of it do you fancy that mr edermont told allen this secret you speak of mrs tice made no immediate reply but smoothed her silken apron with trembling hands at length she said i do not know i trust he did not but if he did speak yes mrs tice said dora eagerly if he did speak the housekeeper drew a long breath if he did speak she repeated you will never 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 become the wife of allan scott End of chapters 3 and 4